Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Afternoon. Okay, so what do, you, what do you pray for in the afternoon? 
In the afternoon, I pray for peace on earth and goodwill among all people. Oh. Okay. So, um, how, how long have you been doing this then? Twice a day. Praying for peace and goodwill. Well, let's see. Um, probably 20 to 25 years now, I've been coming here. And the journalist just wanted to make sure he got the this right. He goes, so you're saying that you come here twice a day, two hours each time, praying for peace on earth and goodwill among all people. And you've been doing that for 20, 25 years? He goes, yep, haven't missed a day. Wow, that must have really made some impact on you. Um, so so what, what does that feel like? The guy says, what does that feel like? Feels like I'm talking to a wall. <laughs> <laughs> Which literally is true, right? Literally is true, okay? But the other sense of that is it seems like, it seems like I keep asking for but yet the world is still a world where there's an absence of peace and there's an absence of love and charity among all people. That sense of like talking to a wall, like God is not listening and nothing is happening here. Nothing is happening here. And I think back when Jesus talked to his disciples, he's also trying to tell them that they are facing or they will face situations where they are praying for something, they're asking for God's intervention, they're asking for God to come quickly. Your kingdom come every Sunday in the Lord's Prayer. We ask for that. And the next week comes, and the next week comes, and we live our whole lives asking for that. And it might seem like we're talking to a wall. And Jesus tells us, in spite of what you see, in spite of what you're thinking, although it might seem like you're talking to a wall, pray. And do not lose heart. Pray and do not lose heart. Life is going to have its hardships and setbacks. It's going to look like things are not progressing, but maybe you're focusing on the wrong thing. Maybe your eyes are in the wrong place. Um, he's the founder of Quinonia Farms. Clarence Jordan, or if you're persnickety, Jordan. But it was Michael Jordan, and you wear Air Jordans in the River Jordan. But Clarence Jordan, as somebody had to tell me this morning, established Koinonia Farms. Do we know what that is? It's in America, Georgia. Okay. It was established as a community that was going to try to live God's kingdom principles in this life. Gathering together rich and poor, black and white, all living together, working together, raising families together, trying to be like the early church that brought in anybody in need and help them. Now, Clarence was a highly educated man. He had two PhDs. He had a doctorate in agriculture, which made really good at the farming work that they were doing. He also had a doctorate in the ancient biblical languages. He knew the biblical Greek and Hebrew. He was a very smart man. And they're trying to like live as God's people. But this was the early 1940s. And the surrounding community had a hard time with the idea of 
people living in a desegregated communal life. Because it very much is a segregated world. You might think about our own divisions now. There are our own ways in which we have segregated ourselves. You know, we're not that different, perhaps. And so they had established this community, and, and, and the local people didn't like the existence of this and challenged their beliefs. And so they boycotted, first thing they did was they boycotted the farm. Maybe we can drive them out by just not doing any business with them. So boycott the farm. And then harass the people who live there, do things like slash their tires and, and harass them, and, and basically try to make things unpleasant for the members of this community to stop what they were trying to do. Some 14 years into this, those other methods having failed to end this experiment of God's kingdom on earth, some 14 years into this, some people came at night and tried to burn them out. They burned all the buildings except for Clarence's home, which they shut up. They, they, they burned the crops. They, they tried to destroy everything. Clarence and his family stayed, and one other African-American family stayed. Everybody else fled for their safety. Now, Clarence knew who some of these people were. You know, even if you don't see somebody's face, you can recognize their voice. These are some church people that come out there to burn him out. And one of the people that went out there, he recognized as one of the local newspaper reporters who showed up the next day. Showed up the next day. Thinking, we got him now. And he came out there to write the story on the demise of Quinnidia Farms. The closing down. And to get a word from Clarence about what he's going to do now that this experiment in kingdom living has come to an end. So it said when the reporter got out there, he started asking Clarence these questions. And, and Clarence is out there hoeing in the scorched earth. He's gone right back to work. Right back to work. And the reporter is going, well, I, I want you to, I, I want to know, the readers want to know, what are you going to do now? You know, what, what is the next thing that you have? Because this has ended. He wouldn't respond to it. Then finally, the one thing he did say was, you know, um, Clarence, you've earned two doctorate degrees. And you put 14 years into this. Look around. How successful do you think you are now? And with that, he finally responded. And he looked at the reporter and he says, I think I'm as successful as the cross. You see, you really don't understand us. As successful as the cross. Something that looked like failure. Something that looked like it's time to give up. Which we know was just the beginning of something even greater. He said to that reporter, yeah, about as successful as the cross, and you just really don't understand us. We weren't called to be successful. We were called to be faithful. Called to be faithful. And so when we hear the story about this widow who is seeking justice and the system won't give it to her. Remain faithful. 
When the world looks dark and it looks like all your prayers for peace and harmony among humankind, and it looks like it's time to give up, it's in that moment, the moment to be faithful. When you ask for God's blessings upon your family and it looks like the estrangement between you and family members or wherever that might be, when you ask for the healing of that breach and it looks like it's not happening, that is the time to pray and to be faithful. The injustice of the world, the injustices of the world, you know, we have human ways of dealing with that, don't we? We have court systems, we have law enforcement, we have the military, we have all these human-constructed means of imposing justice. But that's not God's way. I'm not saying those are bad things, but I'm saying that there's a, there's, a, there's a more godly way. You know, if, you, if, you, if you've followed our presiding bishop, Michael Kirk, if you've listened to what he has said during his leadership, he reminds us over and over again that if it is not of love, it is not of God. God's way is the way of love. God is love, and the only thing God can do is love. And if there is going to be peace and justice on earth, it can't be imposed because God is a God of love. Love never imposes itself. Love can only be offered. It can only be offered. And it has to be welcomed. Jeremiah tells us that God writes God's laws upon our hearts. Sometimes those hearts are pretty hard. They're like stone. And they're stone dead cold. That transformation of those hearts, and maybe it's our hearts that we think about. That there's a way of imposing justice, but the true justice of God comes from the inside out. It comes from changed hearts. Changed hearts. Because that is the way of God. Not the imposition, but the offering of. And it's our part to receive it. And to understand that this is going to take the longer way around. Because if there's going to be justice on earth, it requires us not to simply impose it from the outside, but for all of us to be transformed from the inside. All from the inside. And as we wait for that, as we wait for our own hearts to be transformed and, and for the hearts of others to be transformed, you know, we, we need to be supported in our prayers. We need to keep praying that we might be transformed into those people and that others might as well. But that happens in God's time. In God's time. The story about a preacher, somewhat adequate Episcopal preacher, who wanted to change the world. And so we'd gather with people in this town square and, and we'd teach them about the ways of God and the necessity of praying. And words started getting out, and more people were coming, and, and, it, and something happened. They seemed to reach a high point. It kind of maxed out. And even though he came each week and would preach about living as people of God and the necessity of prayer, because prayer transforms us, the crowds started getting smaller. Because people started discovering doing this was hard work. 
Doing it was hard work. And so they started falling away until one day the preacher showed up <clears throat> to preach and to talk about the importance of prayer and there was no one there. No one there. I think sometimes Jesus must have felt that way. No one there. A child walked by and had seen this going on for, for many, many weeks and months and years and, and, and had noticed who this preacher was and, and came up and, and said, uh, but you're all alone today. Do you, do you continue coming here because you have, have, have you lost your mind? <laughs> Are you so disappointed that, that you haven't been able to change the world that now in your despair you come here and just do this? for no good purpose? And that preacher looked at the child and said, you know, in the beginning, I came here and did this because I thought I could change the world. Now I come here and pray so that the world does not change me. So that the world does not change me. Jesus invites us this day and all the days of our lives persistent prayer, to not lose hope, to not lose faith, that the world may not change us.